Welcome to episode 28 of the Paranormal Pulse podcast with Chris Bruno and Lance Phillip as your hosts. This is Bits of Old and Bits of New. Enjoy. Take a deep breath and relax as we check your Paranormal Pulse. Wide awake with coffee in hand, your hosts have returned to bring you more of this stuff. Without further ado, welcome back to the Paranormal Pulse. This is Memorial Day. Uh, This is our Memorial Day special. Memorial Day different than Veterans Day because Memorial Day represents and honors the fallen soldiers, the people who we lost fighting for our freedoms and where Veterans Day honors the uh, the veterans, the people who've made it through and back home again. Resistance is futile. You will be assimilated. Now back to the paranormal pulse. Real quick, I, I had, you know, this whole thing just reminded me of something. Um, mm-hmm. While we were away, I was told a really interesting ghost story. I don't know if I quite believe it. Okay, um, is it local? It's local, and it's from someone I know, so I don't know. So is that why you don't buy it? No, 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 no. It, it, I <laughs> okay. shouldn't. I rephrase that. It's not someone I know. It's someone I met. Okay, okay. I don't right. know these people. They it just it's so one thing starts to another, and wind up talking about how I I'm into the paranormal. And the story basically goes like this. There was a there was a, a girl and her boyfriend. Um and they they let me just forget they they decided for some reason one night they were going to take a ride to the cemetery. Um it was kind of a foggy night. Um they went there and I guess they were it was around Halloween, they were trying to spook themselves out. Um now I should temper this by saying that um, they had re- before they had gone to the cemetery about six about six months before they they had had a, a baby, but they would they they were too young and they didn't want to keep it, so they put it up for adoption, okay, mm-hmm. and they gave the baby away. Well, lo and behold, they go to the cemetery, and they're probably nineteen twenty one. Uh, the, the couple at the time, you know, I think the wife was 19 years old. The husband was 21. They go to the cemetery, you know, like, you know, they figured they would go there and scare each other and whatnot and sort of thing. Well, they went with another couple. The other couple didn't want to get out of the car. They were kind of afraid. They stood in the car. These two went off and they go into the cemetery. As they're there, they kind of got a little separated. And all of a sudden, the woman looks up and there's a girl, probably young, 13, 14 years old wearing a white gown and she looks and says mom and girl the, the wife kind of gets panicky um and she's like yeah she goes, no no I'm, uh. I'm, I'm not your mom and she's like mom and she starts walking towards her the girl gets scared and she runs and she tells the boyfriend you know who eventually would become her husband tells the boyfriend there's a girl here and i'm, I'm concerned because she's looking for her mother let's go find her they go back okay and they can't find this girl. Now they're upset because they think there's a girl running around the cemetery. And they, they actually went out, called the police. Police came. They couldn't find anybody. Well, years go by and the woman was wondering about it and just, you know, I guess put it out of her mind. Um, you know. About, it. Yeah. Well, about 13 years later, somehow they came across the family that they gave up the uh, baby to for adoption. Uh-huh. And they they go to introduce the girl to the the, the you know that the, they gave it to adoption to 
her birth mother. When when the birth mother saw the girl, it was the same girl she saw in the cemetery. Weird. Yes. And now she's actually really freaked out about it. And that's why she was asking me about it. Because but how does out. that happen, though? Though We're not talking about uh, ghosts in that particular instance because the, the person's alive. Right. And that's, that's who knows. And that's the whole thing. It's very weird. Maybe I mean, it's a doppelganger deal. Who knows? I mean, you know, but there have been how many times, though, have there been sightings of, of a relative or a friend um, who people have seen and who have actually been alive? You know, their energy was somewhere else. You know, yeah. I mean, I've heard stories similar, mm. but it's I just know. It, I, again, I don't know if I buy the story or if it was someone being I mean, very I saw, creative. What, what movie was that where the they were half alive? Had Reese Witherspoon in it? She was like in a coma across town in a hospital. I don't know. Got me on this one. Find out now. Hang on. IMDb. (laughs) Damn right. There you go. Yeah, entertain us with your snippets while I look this up. No, you know what that is behind me? That's that that skeleton. Is that that skeleton? Yes. Talking about folks. Right around Halloween, I got this three foot skeleton that hangs in a in a cage, and it's got a sensor on it, and. You'll when, see it in some of Lance's pictures in in the the studio. Yeah, uh, it's and behind I, you. <laughs> and I hung it up because it's really cool looking. It's creepy looking, um, and I like all things creepy. And you know, as we all know, my studio is full of skulls and yeah. devils and weird artwork. But I hung this thing up, and I f- keep forgetting I I left the batteries in it, and it's got a sensor. And every time I if I move, it'll go off. And what happens is the skull the skeleton starts shaking the cage and starts going let me out and that sort of thing. Oh, so. here you go. I got it. Two thousand five. Reese Witherspoon. Uh, who else is in it? La 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 la. Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, my friend Karen lent me this movie. It's called Just Like Heaven. Kind of a chick flick, but the premise is that there's a lonely landscape artist, Ruffalo, the guy Mark, who falls for a spirit of a beautiful woman who used to live in his new apartment. But what the spirit, she's not actually dead. She's in a coma across town because she was in an accident. So, yeah, spoiler alert, that's the end of the movie. They, The spirit and he find her body, her, you know, actual physical self in a hospital and hang out there until she can rejoin her body. Yeah, I just ruined the end of it. But it's it's cheesy. It's PG-13. It's 2005 Reese Witherspoon. But if you want to see it, that's kind of the premise like you're talking about. Mm. Same same idea. Spirits floating around talking, meeting people. Person's not actually dead. There's just some extenuating circumstance. That's right, kind of what that's about, right. too. And again, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I necessarily believe these folks. I mean, they seem very, uh, yeah, they I'm seem not, very sincere. Um, not a hundred percent on that whole theory, but, right? I mean, but, but hey, it, cute movie. Well, and in this, in this case, this was, a, it was an interesting story, and it stood with me. And I was like, all right, that's yeah. cool. I'll bring it, to, I'll bring it to the show. Throw it out there. Flashback episode six. Oh, what this is? It's a little game we like to play. It's called. Uh, lifeboat in this case, the paranormal lifeboat. And what this is is you're given it. You you're in a lifeboat and you have two other seats, and you can only take two people on this lifeboat. One person has to go into the drink. Well, in this case, we're going to go with the cast of the Ghost Adventures crew. Our choices to join us in the lifeboat are going to be Zach Baggins, Nick Groff, and Aaron Goodwin. Well. <laughs> So, so basically, again, you're 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 driving this lifeboat. You can only take two of them. Who would you take, and why, Chris? Okay, well, you know, for all of you, if you're listening to this podcast, you know who we're talking about. We're talking about Ghost Adventures with Zach, who's the main guy, who's very dramatic and um, pretty much narrates and leads all the uh, investigations. Nick's his sidekick, who's kind of calm. And then Aaron, who knows nothing going in and is a spaz all the time. It makes for good TV. Um, Lifeboat. Who am I going to tolerate? How far do I have to go? Uh, I think that would probably be the bigger question for me. How long is this trip, Lance? Uh, it's it's just to get him back to safety. <laughs> I guess that I would probably keep Nick because he's my favorite and he's not so dramatic. Seems to have a good head on his shoulders kind of thing. 
Um, but then my second spot, that's tough because Aaron, you know, I understand and respect that those are legitimate emotions. And at the same time, I don't think I want to hear that the whole way there, you know, to wherever we're floating off to. And Zach, well, he's a character. Um, I, I guess I would take Zach just because he's interesting and fun to make fun of. <laughs> so, so you're going to wear poor Aaron drowned. I got you. <laughs> Sorry, Aaron. He, you all the weakest thing. Goodbye. <laughs> See, now, now I have a little different take on it. For me, for me, the first choice, obviously, is going to be Zach. He's the leader of the team. He's the he's the alpha male. You need him there. You need him to go out there and as you know, as me and Jen like to, we have a nickname for him, which is the Ghost Beater Upper, because it just seems like he wants to fight the ghosts instead of uh, finding. <laughs> he's a drama queen. You know, <laughs> but he's interesting. He's he's yeah. I mean, he's he's that dynamic personality that you need. Now, my choice is actually Aaron, because to me, Aaron brings a lot to the table. I don't think, honestly, Nick brings much to the table. Nick's very quiet on the show. He doesn't say that much. And, you know, I, I to me, he's the silent partner in it, where, where Aaron is really the guy, hey, let's stick Aaron in the dungeon. You're gonna, you know you're going to get a reaction out of him. You know it's going to be a genuine reaction. Um, I also think he brings <laughs> some intangibles to the table. You know, which are not really yeah. show related, but the guy does a ton of ton of good work. Um, take with a bunch of children's charities, which I don't know if Nick does or That's not. Wonderful. He, Nick Nick probably does. I don't know, but I know Aaron's <laughs> very very much out there pushing all the charities and whatnot. And well, you know, but I just think as far as the show dynamic, I think you need. He's just to me the opposite of Zach. Where I think, just in my opinion, I don't think Nick brings a lot. To me, Nick's very. He's he's a boring character, See, in my opinion. I like Nick because he's more grounded and more the voice of reason for the other two. Because Zach does uh, get very involved and excitable, and sometimes it's crap and sometimes it's not. But, you know, he's very animated. Aaron just is, you know, not in on it all. He doesn't know the history, so he is legit scared reactions and that's all fine and dandy but you got to get yourself together after that man <laughs> i know that they're dealing with some serious activity but he's got to focus after he gets over that initial oh crap what was that you know and he has a hard time doing that where nick is just voice of reason dude calm down everybody calm down you know and that's why i like nick he's got his good, good calm head on his shoulders <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. As much as TV guys can be. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, either way, it's a good show and they have a good dynamic. But like I said, in my opinion, Nick's, go Nick's swimming. <laughs> don't touch that dial. Stay right here. Because we'll be back with more of the Paranormal Pulse after these messages. Hi, I'm Brian J. Cano from Sci-Fi's Haunted Collector and the independent documentary series Scared. Join me on May 31st here in the Art Factory in Patterson, New Jersey for the first ever New Jersey Parunity Expo. We're going to be bringing together over 20 paranormal groups, including seven mediums and six special guest speakers. In addition to that, we're going to have various unique vendors, on-site ghost hunting, and much, much more. There'll be something for everyone. And the good news, admission is only $10. I'll see you there. Don't miss it. Flashback. Episode 10. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight we have a very special guest, Brian J. Cano from Haunted Collector and Scared. Uh, on the line right now is Brian. How you doing, Brian? Pretty good, Lance. Thanks for having me on tonight. So I got to meet you at Phenomenology, and it was a real fun time. That was, I tell you, that was some conference, and it was just really enjoyable. What, so now, your experience as a Paris celebrity there obviously is different than mine as, as, a, as a fan walking around the place. And what I've noticed, and I actually got to talk to you about this, was the camaraderie between all the celebrities. It's not competitive like you would think it would be, because that's the way the fans make it out to be. But I notice you guys aren't like that. 
It's true. Um, we've been going to Phenomenology since its inception. Uh, this is this is our fifth year. Uh, originally, I showed up as a member and co-founder of Scared. Uh, this year was a little different because, hey, you know, I had Haunted Collector behind me and John Zaffis and his kids were there also. But that was the one thing I loved about that particular event that, you know, even before I was on the TV show, when you show up there, everyone is kind of equal and there's no airs of I'm better than you, I know more than you. It's just literally everyone coming together, sharing ideas, going on hunts, having fun during the day, learning some things at night, having fun on hunts, at the parties, and, you know, you really come away with it with, a, I would call it a paranormal hangover. You know, you come back on Monday to your job and your normal life, and you think, wow, I just had a really great weekend. I wish I was still there. That's, yeah, you know, I came away the same way. It was it was just a great experience all around, and, you know, getting to meet everybody. And like you said, nobody nobody has the air about them that they're any better because they're on TV or not. It's just everybody, you know, who does the same thing. So it was fantastic. Absolutely. So, with that being said, now you mentioned Scared. You were there originally with Scared. Tell the people out there who don't know Scared, you know, what, what Scared was all about and how that started. Scared is an independent series of documentaries uh, on the paranormal and urban exploration that I've been doing for the past 11 years. My buddy Chris Mancuso and I started it back in 2002. Now, we both live on Staten Island, New York. Uh, Staten Island is a borough of New York City that is very unlike, yeah, it's very suburb. You know, it's, it's the suburbs out here, so it's not like Manhattan or, or Brooklyn or the Bronx uh, or the New York City that you really see on TV. A lot of hills, a lot of trees and a lot of abandoned institutions. Back in the 60s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, you would get these hospitals and um, healthcare facilities that would grow, get larger. Uh, two of them on the island were tuberculosis hospitals, and it's a little known fact that Staten Island uh, was where they first cured tuberculosis. Now, because of that, if you cure the disease, you don't need a large institution to house the people who are sick from it. So, okay, problem solved. You guys are, are cured, you're clear, you can go. Right. There's still this large facility. There's still these, these buildings. There's still this structure and infrastructure that is, is now crumbling as a result of, of uh, uh, reduced needs. So, as with anything else, it gets too big, it loses funding, it gets closed down. Once, uh, once an institution like that gets closed down, whether the elements vandalism gets to it, uh, it starts to crumble, and that's when the rumors start. That's when you start hearing about ghosts and, and uh, strange things, screams coming from the woods. That's when you hear about activity from uh, devil worshippers and all these other crazy things that, that supposedly go on in there. And as the decades pass, these stories get passed down from, you know, uh, friends, family, uh, in school, and it kind of becomes a people of what's going on on Staten Island. So we figured, you know what, if these places are as haunted as everyone says they are, we should be able to go in there with just ourselves, our five senses, and maybe a camera, and, and document them. Right, right. It's it's funny because our team, uh, EKG, we started out not necessarily as a ghost hunting team. Ghost hunting was always part of it. But one of the things we've always done, the same thing, we do a lot of urban exploration, but also one of the things we had set out for was Weird New Jersey Magazine to go to, a, yeah, exactly. You know exactly what I'm talking about, dude. You, 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 dude, we, it's it's, it's, ama it's amazing you say that because the very first place we ever checked out was um, it's called, it was called the monastery. It was actually a uh, a school um, for the Augustinian monks uh, academy, and it was on Staten Island. But it was featured in in an issue of Weird New Jersey because you know Staten Island is so close. Right, right. And in that article, there was a picture of this this room, and it was covered floor to ceiling in skulls, and there was a hooded figure standing next to it. When we first did our scouts, this was our first adventure ever to this monastery. Before we filmed, you know, we'd go on scouting missions just to check it out and make sure, you know, what we were dealing with. And Chris and a couple of the other guys would go scout. I had to work. When they would return from the scouting missions, I said, hey, guys, did you find the room with the skulls? <sighs> No, we just find it this time. I'm like, look, you got to go back. It's in weird New Jersey. This is my my naivety at the time. It's in print. It's got to be true. Look, that picture, pictures in the magazine. That room was there. You guys got to find it. They went back three times, and each time they came back, 
trying to find these rumored tin sublevels and find this room with the skulls. He didn't find anything years later. And actually, I met the weird New Jersey guys and told them this story. I said, look, you know, we went through all this painstaking trouble to try to find this room. And they're like, yeah, that room's in uh, in Rome. That's in a, in a monastery out in, in uh, the Vatican. I was like, ah. <laughs> yeah, it just, like I said, we, we originally started out, uh, you know, doing the same thing, going to the places in weird New Jersey, and, and it all progressed from there. So it's, it's an interesting thing. Now, eventually, you know, I from scared, you get to haunted collector how does that happen how did you get you know to be on the show i mean did you know john zaffis before or was it a casting type of thing that was a long road i think uh, because of scared we've been doing it for so long you can't be in the paranormal seriously and not run into john zaffis and uh somewhere along the road we met and became friends uh, he's featured in a lot of our in our in a lot of our work and um when Haunted Collector was first being kicked around, you know, Chris and I would just go over to John's house and hang out and we'd share the gossip, who's doing what, what's happening where, and what we're all up to. And he kept telling us about this, this, this idea. He was pursuing, um, he showed us a pseudo reel when it first came out. The show was originally not called Haunted Collector. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say what it was called, but it was horrible. The name was like, ugh. But the pseudo reel looked crazy, and it was, it was John and his entire family. Wow, that's John. That's great. And at the time, it, you know, I didn't even think I was going to be a part of it. I was just happy that my friend was getting a show. Right. Uh, as as all things happened in production, the idea changed somewhat, and the network said, "Hey, John, you need a tech guy. You need someone with the gadgets." And he goes, "Hmm. All right. Um, well, let me see what I got." He asked me. He said, "Hey, do you want to do it?" And of course, I said yes. And uh, I think just the timing was right. Uh, my job, I, I'm a video editor by trade. I work for an editor's and agency in the city. Uh, my position was eliminated. So I just happened to be kind of completely available. So I think um, I've never been a big person for everything happens for a reason, but I think this time it, it just did. Absolutely. Now, it's funny because, you know, what people don't realize who weren't at the phenomenology, you were in the scared booth as opposed to the haunted collector booth, which were... You guys were just divided by Josh Gates in the middle, so, you know. But um, it, it was interesting to see, because I like the fact that, you know, Scared's still, you know, a priority of yours, even though you're on Haunted Collectors. That's really great. Actually, we talked about that when you were there. I know that you kept saying you've been trying to get the Scared logos on Haunted Collector, and you managed to do it a couple of times, <laughs> so. Season 2 was, was really good for that. Uh, when, the, when the Season 2 uh, episodes aired, I would always be on... Twitter and Facebook, and then towards the end, get glue. And I always had little contests every week. And I said, "All right, anybody who can spot the scared logo, you know, write me, tell me where you saw it, and what it was on." And also just you know a little sticker, which was was fun. It got people involved, and uh, it's funny because the network and the production company are so adamant about not having any logos. And I'm thinking, well, all right, Nike, I can understand um, Apple, any of these big companies who aren't uh, you know, de facto sponsors of the show, and they don't want to advertise them. I said, guys, I created the Scared logo. I made it. You have my permission to use it. Please. Right, <laughs> you have right. my blessing. And after a while, I stopped asking for permission or forgiveness, and I just you know would stick it on things. It's on my a lot of my shirts. It's uh, on my equipment cases. And because hey, I do this in real life, I actually use my own equipment. And uh, the the case has a scared logo on it. You know, what are you going to do about it? Sometimes you see they blur it out. Right. Other times, like, the editors just don't care and they let it through. Right. And I saw, you know, Chris was able to get the logo on on the uh, Ghost Adventures episode that he was on. So that's, you know, that's a big one as well. That was amazing. I, I, I give them a lot of kudos for that. But there's, they could have been the type of guys who are like, hey, this is our show. We don't want to give you any props. Not only did they, they let Chris wear his uniform, they showed part of our documentary. And actually, to, to be honest, we helped them a lot with that particular episode because of our Haunted Slug Harbor documentary. So right. I worked with uh, Jeff Belanger for a lot of it. We provided them with art, video. Uh, we provided them with uh, a couple of their witnesses on the show. Uh, the actor who played, uh, he's not even an actor, the guy who played the priest on the show is my father. Oh, okay. So we helped, uh, you know, we did a lot of research, helped them with research for that show. So 
I mean, we didn't get credited in the ending credits for it, but yeah, you know, this was like a scared Ghost Adventures team up, and Jeff even sounded surprised that I was helping. He's like, "Oh well, you're on Haunted Collector, but you're helping us. Why not?" Absolutely. Now, one big thing we had spoken about um, was how they were dividing your season, but now that hasn't happened. They, you know, they pushed back uh, Ghost Hunters, and you guys have basically been running right through with the episodes. Do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? If I sat and thought about it for any length of time, I could come up with both good good reasons and bad reasons for us, good reasons and bad reasons for Ghost Hunters. I think it's just one of those things, you know, it's a, a scheduling dilemma on sci-fi's parts. But personally, I'm glad we're not being broken up because I think, not to say that people are, are fickle, even though a lot are, I think out of sight, out of mind, and once people realize, hey, Haunted Crack is back on the air, like, oh, okay, Wednesday's on the collective. They'll tune in. If you right. take that away, that momentum stalls. And then when we come back later in the year, it'll take two, three episodes for people to go, oh, on the collective is back on. And by that time, we're off again. Right. Cause so you, I think, yeah, you, you know, you definitely build yeah. a, you definitely build a momentum. And you, like you said, you get in people's consciousness and they, they want to keep tuning in. So I was actually, from my perspective, I thought it was a great thing. Now, one thing I, I do want to tell people out there, if you really like the show, let let the Sci-Fi Channel know. You know, tune in, write emails, because, you know, there have been some shows that were pretty good and went away prematurely, in my opinion. And I'd rather not see that happen with Haunted Collector. And, you know, I know Brian doesn't want to see that happen, so. <laughs> I appreciate that, Lance. That's, uh, yeah, definitely. It's also another thing, too, and a lot of people don't realize we live in, in a culture right now that everything is on demand and at our, at our fingertips. We have a lot of convenience. I think the rating system is still a good 15 years behind on, on how we, uh, as a culture, ingest our entertainment. And when the ratings come out on Thursday about, hey, how did we do the night before? It's weird. A lot of people say they love the show. A lot of people say, oh, yeah, we watch it all the time. But the ratings, you know, show a different number. And I'm like, hmm, well, what's going on? DVR, people watch it four days later, a week later, whenever they get to it, they still love our show. Rating system doesn't count it. Right. So, just so people know, if you're going to DVR it, if you watch it within 24 hours, it counts, and it helps the ratings. Yep, absolutely. Now, people can find you on Twitter at Brian J. Cano, on Facebook under Brian J. Cano, and also, you can see a lot of the scared videos on youtube.com slash thousand hats. Uh, there's a ton of scared videos. I've watched a bunch of them. They're, they're fantastic. I recommend people definitely go there as well. You know, it, it, it's like you said, it's great because you have this, this thing now where people can literally, with all the on-demand services, pick everything they want to watch. But like you said, the rating system so far behind. So it's really important for everybody out there, please, you know, tune in on the first night or watch it within 24 hours. Because like Brian said, they don't get credit for it if... if it's not done that way. So, and I've heard, you're not the first person I've heard talk about that. So it's, it's really, you know, it's an interesting thing. The rating system is really behind. I'm, I'm guilty of it myself. I mean, there's a lot of shows that I enjoy watching and I get to it when I get to it. But, um, you know, if it's a smaller show or if it's a, a, a niche type interest, the people who love it really need to rally behind it. And like you said, let sci-fi know, Hey, we love the show. We want to see more John Zappas and his crew. Mm -hmm. And uh, they they do respond to that. And the thing that aggravates me, and I actually spoke to John about this at, at Phenomenology, is the fact that Sci-Fi does very little to promote your show, and not not to knock Ghost Hunters, but they do a ton to promote them, and they do so little to promote some of the other shows that follow. And I think they would just be better served if they kind of spread out their promotion. I mean, let's face it, Sci-Fi is owned by NBC, and you see very little cross-promotion of anything Sci-Fi on the NBC side, but you see a ton of it NBC onto the Sci-Fi side, you know? So it, it's it's just something, it's it's kind of sad, because, you know, I hate to say it, you know, I was a big fan of Ghost Lab when that was on, and Discovery never got behind that show, and it went away. I think these networks really need to know what they have and need to get it out there and get the word out. Well, they got moved to, like, I remember season two got moved to two in the morning or 1 a.m., and it's like... It was terrible. I don't know. I don't know what was going on behind the scenes, but that's the move. That's the death knell, and uh, it's, it's it's unfortunate. Yeah, absolutely. So now, do you have any other conferences and events coming up that people should know about? Uh yes. This weekend, I'm going to be going up to uh, Lake George for the Keeping the Spirits Alive event. 
uh, John Tobin and his group. Uh, we're going to be uh, checking out, I believe, a fort up there, Fort William Henry. Uh, then in June, June 14th and 15th, I'm going to be headed out to Oshkosh, Wisconsin, uh, to the Oshkosh Public Museum and the Grand Opera House. We're going to be doing a cool event there. Uh, later on in the summer, I'll be heading out to Las Vegas for Las Vegas Paracon. And then in September, a big event in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, at the Sands Casino called Parafest 2013. And it's going to have a ton of guests, both from the paranormal as well as uh, the horror and sci-fi genres. A lot of people from Walking Dead, True Blood, the Supernatural. It's going to be a great time. That's actually one I'm looking forward to because that's I'm in New Jersey originally from Brooklyn, but you know all the local ones like that. Like we'll be up there at that one, so we'll see you up there again. Excellent. Yeah, it's gonna be. That looks like it's gonna be a lot of fun too. There's a lot of guests besides just the paranormal world, you know. So that's gonna be a very big event. There's gonna be one. The, there's gonna be a hunt at the Sun Inn with um, Mark and Debbie Constantino, right. but also uh, Chad Lindbergh from Supernatural. He played Ash. So for me, it's cool because hey. You know, the tech guy on Supernatural and me, the tech guy in real life, we get to investigate together. That was pretty cool. We tried to get Ernie Hudson to come aboard on that one. He's going to be at the con, but right. uh, he's genuinely uh, afraid <laughs> of the Supernatural. Fair enough. Fair enough. What What do you see as far as the future of paranormal TV? Do you think it's going to keep expanding, or do you think there's going to be a point where it starts to basically where we get less and less shows. And if that happens, what do you think about all the teams that popped up, say, over like the last five years? Do you think we're going to have the influx of teams, or are they going to go away as well? We're definitely going to... to there's, there's a bubble right now. I, I really feel like the bubble has popped. However, paranormal programming and paranormal teams and those who investigate are two mutually exclusive things, even though they do overlap. Shows reality TV, they're easy to produce, you pay the people on them next to nothing, and hey, you know, the teams are, are ecstatic because oh, we're going to be the next Space Hunters, and we're going to do this, we're going to do it the right way, and Hollywood has, has a farm of black shirts to, to call from. That will never change. Uh, the quality of the shows, it depends, you know, some good ones come out, some not so good ones come out, and because they're cheap to produce, every production company will produce two or three of them and just throw them at the wall and see what sticks. Right. Um, Ghost Mine, coming back for a second season. Haunted Highway is coming back for a second season. Um, there's some that will stick, they'll give them their shots, and um, we'll see what happens and see how they continue to grow like us. Haunted Glide just started out with six episodes. You know, it didn't do so well, but we came back for a second season and we improved. So I think, I think the network's stand behind their shows instead of going, this didn't work, let's get rid of them. Right, right. Each of those people will have a chance to grow and show their worth. And I think that's a good thing. And I think as long as the shows continue to stay away from sensationalism, I know that's a network thing, there's nothing the people can do about it. But, right. Uh, the people who watch them can get inspired. And the people, the one thing they got to remember, it's entertainment based on real events. Now, as far as all the teams that, that virtually popped up overnight, how many of those do you think are going to stick around over time? And how many of it are it's just a passing fad for them? I'd say the number would be would really greatly depend on um, their true reason for, for getting into it. I mean, I've talked to tons of people, and it seems like there's three basic reasons why people get into the paranormal. A, they're curious and want to find out what's going on. B, they've had a personal experience or have a loved one that's passed that they might want to contact. C, want to get on TV. All of them are valid. All of them are equally important to the people who, who you know, have them. And I don't think there's anything wrong with any of those reasons. I just tell people, be honest, you know, be upfront about it. If you want to get on TV, that's great. Don't say, hey, I want to help people and then never do it because you're filming the pilot. Right. Um, because of that, uh, the people who are really driven will stick with it. Um, there are going to be those who see, hey, this doesn't happen in 30 minutes like it does on TV. I've been in this dark room for five hours and I haven't gotten a single EVP. Ugh, this is boring. Those people will go away. Right. Those groups will fold to the child. But the people who are really in it for the right reason, I think uh, 
I think we'll, we'll stick around. It seems to be like a 50-50. For all the people who we lose, there's more good people that we retain. Right, and, right. Uh, okay, now I know I have to let you go soon, but I have two more questions for you. Um, if you were going to go on investi an investigation, since you're a tech guy like I am, and you can only bring three pieces of equipment, what three would you bring? <laughs> i got to say thanks to Gary Galka for this, but one of the pieces of equipment I would bring uh, is my Nelmeter because it's a combination EMF detector, temperature gauge, and I have it outfitted with a shadow detector, a REM pod, and an automatic temperature differential device. So, hey, all-in-one, Swiss Army knife. Yep. I would definitely bring a digital audio recorder because so I feel that's invaluable. And the way I'm feeling right now, I think I would bring a, uh, a shack hack. Excellent. You're almost in line with what I said, but I said, actually, I said the same thing. The REM, you know, the, uh, I should say the millimeter with the REM and everything else. Like you said, it's an all-in-one device. My, my other one was a, a high-definition uh, Sony night vision camcorder because I figured you could use that for videotaping. You can use that for uh, taking stills. You know, it's an all-around device. And like you said, an audio recorder. You always need a good quality audio recorder, I think. Now, lastly, we play a little game here on the Paranormal Pulse, and it's called Paranormal Lifeboat. You're the captain of a lifeboat. You have two seats on there, but you have a choice of three people to put in the lifeboat, and one person gets left behind. This week's episode, we're going to deal with team leaders of TV paranormal teams. So your choice is Jason from Ghost Hunters, Josh Gates, and Zach from uh, Ghost Adventures. If you can only take two in the lifeboat, who do you take, who do you leave behind, and why? Oh, my. <laughs> I know. I, I know. I'm putting you on the spot. It's a tough one. This is this is difficult, but uh, I would definitely take Zach. Uh, not because I heart Zach, but because the guy seems in shape and he could do all the rowing. <laughs> uh, and I'd have to bring Josh Gates uh, because wherever we go, actually the combination between Zach and and Josh, there's enough charisma there that wherever we end up, I, I could be just a guy who's uh, you know not not I'm in the back, so no one will try to eat me kill me or, or want anything from me. They can deal with the public. I'll hop off the boat and uh, I'll, I'll be safe. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Lance. Everybody out there, please get, you know, support Haunted Collector. And again, you can you can go to YouTube.com, uh, Thousand Hats, to see the scared videos. You can find Brian on Twitter at Brian J. Cano and on Facebook at Brian J. Cano. I appreciate it, Brian. Thanks, Lance. Are you This is Alice Cooper. Hi, Ruckers. This is Billy Idol. Hey, this is Meatloaf. Hey, this is Steven Tyler from Aerosmith. I am Vince. Vince Clortho, key master of Gozer. Vulcan still draw our Lord of the Sebulia. Are you the gatekeeper? Hey, this is Grant Wilson of Ghost Thunders, and you're listening to the Paranormal Pulse. This is the Paranormal Pulse. Back off, man. I'm a scientist. Flashback. Episode 13. Good evening, I'm Chris Bruno, and uh, this is not the average haunted hotel that we're going to talk about. The Grand Midway Hotel is an amazing destination for paranormal investigators, movie buffs, magicians, eclectic artists, uh, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. To help us understand the ins and outs of the Grand Hotel just a little bit more, it's well over 130 years old, I have Blair Murphy with me. He's the owner of the Grand Midway Hotel in Winbur, Pennsylvania. That's what I'm saying that correctly, right? Good evening, Blair. Thanks for joining us on the Paranormal Pulse. Certainly, certainly. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> Did I say the uh, the name of the town correctly? Winbur is correct. It's, uh, it's, it's actually the word, the name Berwin uh, flipped because the Berwin family uh, basically built it as a company town for coal mines about 100 years ago. There's so many mining towns in Pennsylvania. I used to live in the Scranton area, and there's just outside of there still has some of those mines on fire underground. Do you have any of that near you? Uh, like Centralia, where it's on fire? No, that, that's not here uh, so much. Um, but there's tons of mines um, that are uh, sealed off. There's there's 14 miles of mines below us in this community, and, and they're and they're two levels. So it's not just uh, so you know like there's floors, and it's pretty wild. Uh, really wild, actually. I'm not from here, and the more I learned about the mining history, I didn't even know coal miners still existed. And so when I got here, I was I was like, wow, that's a uh, neat. And 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 when it first started, when when this community first was built. It was like the Wild West with, like, 
know, prostitutes and bar fights and <laughs> and uh yeah so it, it's got a fascinating history oh this it all these ha- all these towns on the east coast especially the mining towns are very interesting i am myself live in a mining town out in sussex county new jersey so we've got some history in ogdensburg and franklin um kind of similar in that respect but so we've got a little history of the town but how about a little history of the hotel i understand you purchased the hotel with a few friends off of ebay yes uh a musician out of new orleans his name is damien youth and uh who is very talented he he always he plays each year for Anne rice's uh men knock ball at halloween and and um pretty big in the underground scene he he called me uh, and he wanted to get out of Louisiana for a while, and I was living in Los Angeles. I wanted to get out of L.A., and uh, and his his wife had found uh, this piece of property on sale on eBay for eleven grand. Wow. Uh, and so uh, a week later, I found myself living in you know we didn't really care where we were relocating to, which just sounded like a uh, an interesting adventure. So. That's how it happened. It, it does sound like an interesting adventure for sure. Uh, so you you decided to buy this hotel. Um, you all lived there together. Was it just the the two of you, three of you? It was uh, when they had a little girl too, a, a child, I mean, an infant. So it was the four of us for uh, the first couple months, and then um, we started to approach other artists, and and uh, somebody moved in. Uh, a DJ relocated from Chicago, and a couple of people came in, and and uh, it started to form a little tribe and, uh, <laughs> and so that's very cool i mean this is a huge hotel this is like we were saying before it's over 130 years old you have over 32 rooms in the in the hotel that's correct it's got a uh a, a bar and all in there that, uh, an old an old bar that's it's big actually it's not even like a small bar it's massive and and uh they they were in its head place down so we, we got it for the song, and but it took a lot of work in the beginning. The first year or two was just about survival, really. Oh, sure. Everything. I was looking at uh, your website. That's uh, grandmidwayhotel.com, if anybody wants to take a look at that. Real easy to get to. And your Facebook page, same thing, Grand Midway Hotel. And the, the website is extremely informational and thorough. And I was just digging through the first floor and the pictures from the first floor and the amazing art that's there. But this whole hotel, you've had some paranormal activity, I understand. You even had Chip Coffee out there. And he's a psychic and medium, pretty reputable from um, the show Psychic Kids and Paranormal State. And he visited the one particular room, the canopy room, uh, room number three. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh-huh. yeah. And you, back to the eBay thing, decided to put up what has been called the creepiest bedroom in America up on eBay for a one night stay. Uh, obviously not the faint of heart to stay there, but how did that auction go? Well, uh, it went, it went great. Actually, it was, it was kind of a luck or, or almost a, a dare. Um, I'd kept the place. It's a private home. So we're not really open for business. Um, sure. and I've kept it pretty exclusive and, uh, we've gotten a lot of high end people have come here in, in the paranormal world. Uh, I mentioned chip coffee. We, the uh, paranormal state wanted to use this place for their, their pilot episode, actually, their first episode, and it didn't—it didn't exactly work out for for the way they wanted to come out of the gate because I wasn't—I wasn't scared, and they wanted like someone that they could kind of rescue a bit. Sure. So I just didn't fit the pattern they needed. But then um, the Haunted Collector came here and shot, and right. uh, Ghost Adventures was called. And they're trying to put together sometime, possibly in this next summer season, to come here and shoot, and and uh, Exorcist Files shot here. So we got a lot of attention, and I and uh, and so I had somebody sleep it over one night. And they said, I want to sleep in that creepy room, the, the canopy room, which is a particularly spooky room. I mean, I would say it's the uh, the, the most paranormal-related room, I think, uh, of all the stories in the building. Certainly, I get the most reactions from people, even that don't know any stories, that just sort of step in and go, I don't like this room. So uh, <laughs> I had someone sleeping in there, and I and I, we made a joke. We were saying, like, we should put this on eBay and just see what happens if we rent it out for one night. And Because uh, I don't want to be in an open hotel, but we did that for one night, and I got twenty some thousand hits on Facebook, and um, the bid just—we started at a dollar because it's not really—it wasn't really about money, and uh, that shot to four hundred fifty bucks for one night, and then I got a, uh, a sea storm of emails from crazy people out there all <laughs> begging me, like, "No, I, you know, I, I have to do this." So it's been—it it, was—it ended up being a lot larger than we were—I was anticipating, and but it was fun, you know, and good stories, and so. 
it's it's great exposure for what you're doing there. I mean, obviously, it is a private residence, so we don't want people just going knocking at your door and asking to stay. But uh, what a cool thing that you did with the room. Honestly, that's how I found you. I have a friend of mine, Russ, and his friend, Tony, that live out in the Pittsburgh area. And Tony apparently um, knows very well your area and frequents it. I just found it so fascinating, went up to the website and then saw what you've got going on there. And it's not just about the paranormal stuff, although um, I want to get back to that real quick. You had a great, great auction that obviously they haven't scheduled yet, I assume. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> well, it hasn't happened yet, but they, they actually I have uh, been in touch with them and, and two other people, uh, the next bidders as well, um, begged and came forward. And so that's all. It's all. I can't really go into the details. Of no, that's fine. But <laughs> sounds good so far. It's all, it's all sort of turning into a positive experience for everybody involved. So Absolutely. So getting back to that room, though, I've heard um, and I've read actually on your site that um, there's something about that room in particular. I know people, strangers, I was reading some of the stories and there was a, you know, an Iraq uh, or Afghanistan vet who came and, you know, all of his experience. And yet that room in particular creeped him out, even though he has a seen and, and heard things that none of us have ever wanted to see. And also that women are drawn to that room. Uh, they've actually requested to sleep in the canopy room. Was there anything particular that you've heard or or seen as story wise or history wise that would make that sense for them to be drawn to that room? Well, um, the building had a lot of prostitutes in it a long time ago. Um, and so there's, I'm always hearing from people about when like psychics don't really know who I am and I, I show them a photo and say, tell me something. I, I hear that pointed out a bunch. Uh, there's something about like women that were in, and, uh, and whatever in this building in particular. And so something related to that room must have been, I don't know what. Chip Coffey said, I absolutely think it was a suicide. Some other guy that stayed in there that night, he had a couple stories, uh, well, he doesn't even sleep in the building. He sleeps in his car, and, and he he had these visions of, of someone being killed in there. And and I, I've even had people come tell me stories about different crimes that happened in the past long ago related to this building. There's even an, an unsolved murder at our back door where the case is still open, and 50 years later, 60 years later. And, and so um, it could, you know, this every decade there's things stamping impressions on this place. Sure. As, as with any hotel, from so many people, and so this place, this community was pretty brutal before unions came along and sort of kind of changed the laws of kids going in mines. And so it could be any number of things. And plus we got a lot of weird stuff in there, the furniture from another creepy source and some of the items in there from yet another creepy source. And so I just sort of have a lot of stuff piled in there. It's hard to point to any one thing. Oh yeah. There's, I mean, the, the building itself is just absolutely beautiful. And I also read somewhere, uh, even MTV Cribs was interested in your home possibly a future episode with uh, um, hotel resident Kyle. Is that something that still may be in the works? Uh, well, I'm, I'm kind of up for uh, any, I mean, I have a movie background. That's, I come from the Los Angeles film industry. So I'm sort of up for anything that, that uh, is, you know, has some integrity to it anyway. I don't, I don't want to fake anything at all oh, of course. Uh, in any way, but, um, but it's like people seem on the up and up and, and it becomes an entertaining show and, um, I, I would be up for it, certainly. So I, I'm open <laughs> to pretty much any show that would approach. Another show, actually, uh, bought, I didn't, I can't go into too much detail, but we had, I had shot some footage in the canopy room uh, of a Ouija board gone really bad. Oh. And uh, another TV show bought that footage, and so that's all secretive. But, oh, that's but, interesting um, now. I can't go into, but the footage was pretty radical. I was, like, I was sitting right there, and I was thinking, these two friends of mine are certainly not thinking this. This is uh, something that's really happening before our eyes at this moment. And, we're just going to keep our eyes open for any kind of landmarks, <laughs> anything that'll indicate it's that room. Then we can say, "Oh, there's the footage." <laughs> um, so you were you were a uh, filmmaker, a writer. You're still a filmmaker. You just you're a fascinating person all on your own with all of your kind of history. Um, you come from a background in L.A., like you were saying before. You were working with Stan Lee of uh, Marvel Films and cameraman for Prince. Interesting how you've jumped from one to the other to the other. Just the the gothic thing behind all of your films is very interesting and I think appeals to not just the paranormal obviously but also to those those classic movie buffs because you've got a lot of that kind of influence in your work tell us more about your films because you've got a whole slew of them listed on your your site and um, I think that they would be really interesting to our listeners to hear about well um something you're proud of the most uh, 
my 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 father was a filmmaker and my grandfather as well, and and uh, but but not in Hollywood. And so I kind of had always cameras around and all that, and that that influenced me a lot. And uh, he was a funeral director by trade, so I was raised in a funeral home, and so that sort of combined cameras and dead bodies and coffins and you know it all sort of swirled together in some kind of soup that made me as a child I, like I loved Dracula and anything like that and mm. and um and that just made that in a nutshell made up who I ended up being as an adult. And um and then when I was and then I was in Hollywood and I was I had some pretty cool jobs and worked with a lot of famous people and, and uh made a feature film my first feature film I was pretty young when I launched it. It's not the best film but it was a noble effort. It's called a uh, Jug Wine. Okay. And um then uh, you know, the film industry is like a rough trade. A lot of it's glamorous, but, but there's a lot of people that are kind of uh, it's not all enchanting. You know, mm-hmm. like there's a lot of scumbags and and stories uh, <laughs> you hear about yep. the music industry, you just stamp that on the film industry too. It's like that. Yeah, it's I really same. got cynical for a while. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it at all. I, I, and that's part of like I needed a break, and that that led to um, me kind of uh, I got I, I sort of started to see filmmaking as as uh, akin to spellcasting, and like you're creating something and you're you're summoning energy and you're sending it out there and you're influencing other people. And so I got, mm-hmm. I kind of got pretty heavy into uh, magic as well. Okay. And it re-enchanted my world. And, and um, then I started thinking, well, I can, I can make films anywhere. And I, and I really, really, really re-fell in love with film again. And, and uh, that's when we ended up at this place. Which I didn't have any I clue that, uh, that I was buying a place with such a paranormal soaked background. And that's how I got here. Everyone was like, Oh yeah, no, no one. You know, that's why no one wanted to buy it for years, and sure. it got empty since the early seventies. Wow. But to, to Damien and I, it was a bonus. We loved it. We just yeah. loved that it was like this. It sounds like so. it's definitely to an advantage for you uh, with that filmmaking background, and and for you, I mean. I can't imagine a better canvas for all the art and for, you know, a background for any kind of film that you want to shoot. You've got, you've got a set right there. It's been an adventure. I, I almost feel like this building called us. Like, like when people talk about uh, poltergeist experiences, having like a mutual relationship with individuals. Sure. I, I just feels like the building itself has a character and that uh, this Damien, my buddy back then and I were, were just right to, land in it and, and now it's like a blooming completely different place whereas before they were going to tear it down and you know. no this is a it's wonderful i mean i've i as i said i was looking at some of the pictures online and and the the art that is throughout the building um you know there's that amazing mural on the ceiling in the dining hall is there anything in particular that that means uh yes it's um it's a take on the universe card from the alice crowley tarot deck uh it's beautiful not exactly the same. No, uh, but it's, no, it's but it's got close. that similar kind of style to it, and the colors are beautiful. Yeah, that guy, the guy who painted that, he's a tattoo artist up the street. And he, he, I was looking for a muralist, and he said, I'd like to give a stab at a different kind of art. And so that was a, that was a first for him, and, and it was a, a massive undertaking. I mean, it's like a little Sistine Chapel here in town. It's so massive. <laughs> <laughs> That's mean, what it looks like. It definitely looked like a, a just a... a a masterpiece, a, a huge mural on the ceiling. And that's the first thing I thought of. Um, I also saw your front lobby you said you use as a screening room. Now, do you use that for personal use or do you use that during any film festivals? It looked kind of small, but I mean, it's a picture, so I don't know. It, it's a, uh, um, it's like I said, it's, it's a private building. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do a lot of events here. It's pretty ideal for, uh, they're, for, they're not, op- they're not necessarily open to the public. There's, there's right. like a wave of artists that come from, Pittsburgh and New York and, and uh, New Orleans sort of that are that are it's like a network of artists and they're not all gothic or paranormal they're they're all over the map and um and some of them are completely anti gothic or anti paranormal or, you know they're, they're, it's a real mix of people but um that's what those the different rooms are used for uh, whatever particular event we're we're working on and the screen room is you know just slides right into that depending on if we're premiering someone's film or I mean it's not large it's not a big screen room or anything right. It's really like it, cool popcorn and movie. <laughs> really a really uh, just a really cool building overall. So you have uh, of course your own uh, production company. It, it's um, Empire Films. That's your distribution company as well. Have you shot anything recently? Is there anything in particular that you would like to share with our listeners that you're working on? Yeah, um, I mean it's a little goofy because uh, uh, <laughs> zombie films are a dime a dozen. But um, the, the, I was approached by a state. Official. We ah, we got some politicians down there. Actually, this. And this guy was like, I think it's Frank Burns, and he's a visionary in the area, and uh, what's the area needs it. And um, he had some ideas of recreating 
the community. And, and so he, uh, he wanted to create a film, film commission office, uh, which brings distinction to an area. And you try to seduce Los Angeles to come here and make your movies here. And sure. So to get the ball rolling, I said, oh, I'll, I'll shoot a reel of something here to show off a bunch of locations. And, um, and I'm friends with uh, Butch Patrick, the guy who played Eddie Munster in The Munsters. Nice. He stayed here a few times. And so I said, uh, I was like, oh, Mr. Mr. Patrick, would you, you know, be in this little reel that we're creating for this community? And, and it didn't really seem like it was going to go anywhere. And the second I put out word zombie, I mean, Pennsylvania went crazy. And uh, there's so many, you know, <laughs> New Orleans is about vampires. Pennsylvania is like zombie central. And so I had all these volunteers and just kept expanding and expanding. And one day I was working on this and I realized, we're gonna, this is going to turn into a feature film. And then I got some other celebrities sort of, lend a hand to it, and, and so now, uh, this, so I'm creating a, a zombie film right now, uh, we call it Zombie Dream, and um, the biggest challenge, besides the low budget, is to give it distinction, uh, apart from, you know, other, the map, the sea of zombie movies out there. Sure. That's the latest. You know what, the zombie movies you can't go wrong with right now, and if you're doing anything that you're around that hotel, it's it's just going to blow up. I'm sorry. It's going to be a huge thing. I think it's a great idea what you're doing. And they're very popular. Yes. Pennsylvania is zombie central, whether they like to admit it or not. I want to just address a couple of things that go on in your hotel that are what seem to be public events. I think you do uh, you do open it up to the public on Thursdays for a coffee shop and bookstore type thing. Yes. Uh, um, I, I had so many people like, peeking in the windows and everything else that I <laughs> finally said, okay, fine. You know, I'll let people come snoop around one night a week. And, and, uh, and so, um, a girlfriend of mine at the time and I, we, we kind of launched this little, it, it, it uh, just a, a way for people to come in get a cup of coffee and snoop around. And, and, uh, and it's kind of more of a meeting place because brings people out of the woodwork that are paranormal fans or, or other kinds of, you know, that's not the most popular subject out here. And so, sure. um, it, it brings in a cool crowd of, of people that are need a crowd, you know, and, and so right. we do that every Thursday night from six to midnight and, uh, every week, you never know, I mean, Butch Patrick just showed up here one night and, uh, we, you never know who's going to be here. And so it's, it's been <laughs> kind of neat crossroads wise. That is very neat. And, um, and so anybody who's in that, uh, Wimber area or, and you're not too far from Pittsburgh, is that correct? That's correct. Uh, it's not. There's just. There's not normally people that are just hanging around here from afar. Sure. It's, uh, it's more of like someone's driving to Philly or, or you know, there's like people on road trips sort of sway over my, off the highway into my place, that sort of thing. But it's such a revolving door of them. <laughs> I'm really digging because if I go on a road trip, I'm definitely going to stop there at some point. <laughs> I don't want to sh- just show up, you know. Um, I see you have like a tarot card reader there. Uh, is that Sin Burns, Mark the Magician? And uh, something really yeah. interesting, an interesting concept. I have a lot of friends who are very zen. And I saw the interesting concept on there of um, your instructor, a friend, Kimberly Massey, and a musician, Scott Massey, Black Yoga. Could you tell us more about yeah. that? Black Yoga. Okay. So uh, I think it was a couple months back I, I was grumbling about, oh, there's, you know, I need something new today. I'm always trying to, what, what will enchant me and, and I'll do yesterday. And a friend said, oh, someone just started doing Black Yoga. And uh, it instantly got a couple magazine articles on it. And so I, I, I just thought, oh, this person is perfect. they got to meet me. And, and I rushed out to this yoga class, and, and the lady, the instructor was like, I don't like waterfalls and butterflies. I, I, my husband's a uh, heavy metal musician. And so <laughs> she turned out the lights, and there were candles on, and, and the music was like this throbbing, different, whole different kind of yoga class. And, uh, I, and we were a perfect match. Like the next couple weeks later, she showed up here, and we had a class with 40 people, and uh, all in black and black. <laughs> black yoga mats and it was it was pretty radical and 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 uh so it kind of caught on and I, i'm real happy to be associated with it I, I like her a lot and we're all good so i don't know that much about her class there she's based <laughs> in pittsburgh but she's growing fast uh, i think other yoga people are if nothing else are just talking about it like well what the hell is it or something <laughs> new in the yoga world you know that kind of thing absolutely i mean black yoga is definitely um almost a contradiction in terms on how it works <laughs> Well, so uh, we've got... It went great, though. Yeah, I, I can imagine. I'm sure that there's a huge uh, population that would really embrace that. I mean, not everybody wants to be Zen. <laughs> you 
know, I had all these. I mean, I had all these people here in this class that were people who'd never been in yoga class, wouldn't even you know do a push up, and uh, <laughs> heavy metal guys, beards and on, and, and they're, they were you know, doing these exercises, and it was a real blast. <laughs> that's great. I love that idea, and that's just you know another little bit that's totally different than what you would expect at at this place. Uh, it's the Grand Midway Hotel, grandmidwayhotel.com. You can find it on Facebook as well. Blair, what an awesome time to have you here. Uh, I thank you so much for talking with me, taking your time out of, you know, the official happy World Goth Day. You're a busy man and and I appreciate your time. Look for Blair's movie Zombie Dream, uh all the old movie as well. Are you are you you okay with us like looking it up for jugular wine? Yeah, yeah, sure. I, I know it's not on the market now. It used to be in blockbusters all over the country, but I, I pulled it from the market for a while, for for a while because it's not the best movie, and I wanted to like try to give it some intrigue and, and distance myself from it a bit, and then then re-release it, you know, remaster it and all that. And so, well, you know how people that love a, this. a hard one to find. People love those those eclectic uh, kind of movies, and if that's a hard one to find, I know a couple people that'll take on that challenge. <laughs> Well, thank you again for joining us here at the Paranormal Pulse. I'm Chris Bruno. This is Blair Murphy from the Grand Midway Hotel. If you're passing through Winburg, Pennsylvania, definitely take the time and, um, you know, get in touch and see if you can stop by. It is a private residence. You just can't pop by and peek through the windows, but there's there's definitely some uh, opportunity to check out this place. Thank you again, Blair. Thank you. Thanks for the interest. Find the Paranormal Pulse Podcast on Facebook at the Paranormal Pulse Podcast. Listen to the Paranormal Pulse Podcast on Roku, Stitcher, Facebook, Blueberry, iTunes, Podbean. It's that simple. Here's Curtis Mayfield with We've Got to Have Peace from 1971 on the Paranormal Pulse podcast. It's Memorial Day. We gotta have peace To keep the world alive And war to cease We gotta have joy To win our hearts with strength We can't destroy People hear us Shit!